all you vicious little parasites, and welcome to Cryptology the Podcast. I'm Salem, the first of your hosts this evening, morning, or whatever time it is, wherever you may be. I am joined today by my phenomenal co-host, my ghost with the most, the cream of the crop circle, Michaela. Oh, thank you for having me here today. Of course, I'd have you any day. Oh, thank you. That's what besties are for. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, we've been best friends for almost a decade, which is fucking crazy. It's <laughs> been that long. Yeah, dude, almost 10 years. It makes me feel old. We're not going to talk about that yeah. just yet. 26 going on 97. That's me. Me too, man. My joints like scream at me every fucking morning. Uh, amazing. See, I don't have the joint problem, but I still go to bed at like 8.30. Yeah, you're the grandpa friend. I just have the body of a grandpa. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. fair. You have fair. the mentality and I have the body and together we make one grandparent. <laughs> just one. A single grandparent. We're like Alfred to Batman because, you know, he doesn't oh, have yeah. parents. But Alfred's close enough to a grandparent, kind of. Basically. Yeah, right. Like, right, yeah, because he spoils know. the fuck out of Batman. I don't know if I'm cool enough to be Alfred, though. I think you're definitely cool enough to be Alfred. Just maybe not rich enough to be Alfred. Fair point. Right. Fair point. Because uh, you know Alfred's fucking loaded if he works for the Waynes. But anyway, yeah. we are getting so <laughs> off topic here. Um, well, hello, everybody. Uh, we are going to start out our podcast with talking about spooky stories from the places that we consider our hometowns. So my story is on a creepy-ass park down in Denver. I'm not really from well I'm from Colorado but I wasn't born here but you know home is where the heart is and my heart is at the bottom of a beer can somewhere let's go (laughs) um so on today's episode we're going to be uncovering the twisted history behind Cheeseman Park which is one of Denver's most infamously haunted spots uh before we get into the gruesome details we have to uncover a little bit of history on how Cheeseman Park came to be So it was actually acquired, which is a term I'm going to use very, very loosely here, from the Native Americans. Oh, it's (laughs) one of those spots. As a part of uh, the, it was the 1851 Cheyenne-Arapaho Land Fort Larimer Treaty. So as a part of that treaty, uh, the United States and that specific part of Colorado obtained that land from the Arapaho tribe. Um, and it originally served as an Arapaho burial ground. Of course it did. Right, Dad. right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You see what kind of thing we're dealing with Yeah, today. I, as I was researching this, I was like, oh man, Toby Hooper must have taken so much inspiration for poltergeist from this shit. Like, I swear. Uh, but, so one of the stipulations of the land grant when we received that land is that any bodies that we buried on that land could not be buried deeper than three feet as to not disturb the Native American remains that were already buried there. Oh my god. Yeah, so we were just double stacking bodies in the ground. Oh no. Yeah, some fucked up domino game, like literally. Oh (laughs) god, okay. Um, But yeah, then in the late like 1840s through the 1850s, hundreds of thousands of people came to Colorado and Denver specifically in its early days in hopes of striking it rich during the gold rush but instead of finding any gold they just got a gold mine of fucking disease uh, like 
typhoid, and uh, cholera dysentery. Oh, delicious. Yeah. So, so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> Among uh, a lot of other fun ones. Uh, and, you know, with a lot of people moving to Denver, there was also a lot more people dying in Denver. So they Naturally. kind of needed a place to bury everybody and store all of the bodies. So, um... And they thought, hey, this is already a burial ground. Might as well add to it. Oh, yeah. It gets worse, though. So, doing what white people do, Mm -hmm. um, the Mount Prospect Cemetery was founded. It was established in 1858 by William Larimer, who founded Denver, Colorado. And it initially was intended as, like, a... Uh, high-status burial ground for, like, the upper elite and wealthy of Denver, but they decided to bury their families elsewhere, so instead the cemetery filled with bodies of those who wound up shot or hanged or sick from the various diseases, Um, and then Mount Prospect quickly became nicknamed after one of the first inhabitants who was buried there. He was a gambler who was shot dead in a saloon dispute named Jack O'Neill, Uh, It only took two years for Jack O'Neill's ranch to fall into disrepair and kind of become just a decrepit dumping ground for the poor, diseased, and forgotten. Mmm. I like where this is going. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Just, like, all of this echoes, like, white people suck, and they only think about the rich people. (laughs) I mean, unfortunately, not much has changed. No. No. Oh, just wait till you find out, like, what happens to you'll you'll just see okay okay tell me (laughs) tell me more um so the state of the cemetery was very quickly noticed by the residents of denver and then the rocky mountain news weekly ran an article in january of uh, 1863 that stated this burial ground so beautifully located is in its present condition a shame and disgrace to denver so that's how bad it was that That tiny plot of land disgraced the entire city. So at what point does the man made of cheese come into this? Uh, soon. Very, very, very soon. Okay. I had cheese on the brain, so... I always have cheese on the brain, so I can relate. (sighs) Cheese. Um, so the wealthier residents of Denver started calling Jack O'Neill's ranch an eyesore and called for, um, a city park to be built where the cemetery used to be so that way they wouldn't have to look at a cemetery full of poor people um so in january of 1890 a colorado senator named henry moore teller convinced congress to convert the unkept cemetery into a new city park by telling them that he would name it congress park pandering much Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll just wait till we get to my story, then you'll you'll see the true colors of politicians in this era. Uh, and so the U.S. sold the land directly to the city for two hundred dollars, so they could build a park there um, and name it after Congress. The residents of Denver were given around three years to go get their family members and collect. Uh, any bodies of people that they might know that were buried there. But since it was, like, a long-neglected cemetery, as you can imagine, most of the bodies were just left. So, um, this is where we get into the spicy bits. Yeah. You know I love me some spicy. Yeah, the history stuff is behind us. Now we get to the fun, depending on who you ask. (laughs) 
If you ask us, it's fun. Alrighty. On March 14th of 1893, the city decided to contract Edward P. McGovern to exhume the rest of the graves to make room for the upcoming park. E.P. McGovern was a renowned mortician and coroner who opened up his own funeral home at the age of 27, which successfully operated for 44 years. Uh, McGovern was contracted to relocate 5,000 graves to... Jesus fucking Christ. To a cemetery five miles up the road called Riverside Cemetery, and he was paid $1.90 per body that he moved, which translates to roughly like $30 per body today. And he had 5,000 bodies he was supposed to move. That's a lot of bodies. Did they specify the time frame in which he had to do this? Uh, no, I don't think he had a specific time frame. It was just, like, whenever it got done kind of thing. But it also wasn't just, like, digging up the caskets that were there and moving them, because a lot of these caskets, you know, decay over the years. Yeah. So they would have to uncover these caskets move the bodies in them to new caskets, and then move those caskets the five miles away to a new cemetery and bury them. So $30 a body, if we're looking at around 5,000 bodies, is about $150,000 in today's money. Right, which, you know, so definitely good fucking chunk of change. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of labor, though. Ton of labor, and that's exactly why McGovern hired a team of 18 people to help him relocate all of these bodies and excavate the caskets. Um, Although, while they were transferring the bodies into the new caskets, McGovern and his team realized that they had a problem and they realized it pretty quick. So, in a state over in Utah, there was actually a horrible mining incident where a ton of miners died and the manufacturer for adult caskets had to ship all of the caskets to Utah for these miners to use. So while they were transferring bodies into the new caskets, McGovern realized very quickly that they were running out of adult-sized caskets for these bodies. Hmm. Dum da dum dum. <laughs> um. So he realized at that time that if he cut up the bodies into smaller pieces, he could fit them in the child-sized caskets in which he had an overabundance of. And at the same time, he would be tripling his money because he was being paid per casket he moved, not per grave dug up. It was per casket moved. So that's exactly what he did. Um, Him and his crew of 19 got to work uncovering and dismembering the bodies of those who were left behind. And each coffin that got filled contained body parts from dozens of corpses. So they just went to town dismembering and hacking up these bodies, which most of the time were still intact. Because since they were buried uh, not that far under the ground and the soil there was, like, really, like, mineral rich, it preserved the bodies. So they were, it wasn't remains, like, these were fully intact people still. I was gonna ask that, like, are we talking bones or are we talking, like... No, intact corpses. Bodies. Intact corpses. Do we have any idea about the freshness of said bodies? Um... I know that the cemetery, I think, went unused for, like, 10 to 15 years. Okay. So you had, like, decade-old corpses that were, you know, still preserved and had flesh on them. Still fleshy, but still, not freshy. Yeah, exactly. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. You're welcome. That's what I live for. Um, so this is the 
the crazy thing. This is really what blew my mind. So on March 17th, just three days into his contract, the city of Denver caught wind of the horrible scam that he was pulling and decided to immediately pull him off the project for quote unquote mishandling of the project, which I think is a gross understatement if you're asking More me. More like dismembering of the project? Yeah, like just complete obliteration of the project. <laughs> Mishandling's putting it very, very, very lightly. Like, I just don't understand. So uh, what did they do after they said that he mishandled the project? So, to him, nothing. Surprisingly, they just took him off the project and that was it. He just didn't get paid for the rest of the work. Did he get paid for the beginning of the work? He got paid as he went. He cashed in at, like, the end of the day. But they just took him off of the project. Nothing happened to him after that. Um, project, quote unquote. Uh, but, you know, by the time that they took him off of the project and excavating these bodies, the damage had already been done because in that short three-day period, him and his team were able to excavate and transport around a thousand graves and desecrated even more that they weren't able to dismember and transport yet. Uh, McGovern claimed that it wasn't a part of his contract that he had to refill the graves either that he dug up, so he left the cemetery in a greater state of disarray than it had been three days prior before him and his team showed up. There were body parts, shreds of clothing, broken caskets, and bones littering the grounds after McGovern and his crew had came and gone. Wow. Yeah, they literally just, like, cut these people up and chuck their body parts everywhere like it was confetti. I mean, that's my favorite kind of confetti next to your hair. I, I just think it's wild how he was able to do that much damage in three days. Like, if you think about it, three days isn't that much time. That means they were moving, like, 340 caskets roughly a day between like 18 people that's not a lot but when that's you're not taking a lot of people for the amount of bodies right and especially when you're taking time to cut them up you're not just moving them you're taking time to pull a dexter and like chop them up and then chuck them somewhere else and this was before power tools kids right they were doing this shit by hand you know they were buff as fuck gross yeah but accurate. Accurate <laughs> and gross. Yeah. So they must have had some really fucking sharp tools. Mm-hmm. Hot. Well, uh, two days later, the Denver Republican newspaper decided to run a story on the events on March 19th titled The Work of Ghouls. The article went into gruesome details about the horrific actions of McGovern and his team as they desecrated what were oftentimes intact remains. Um, it painted a very vivid picture of the horror show left behind with comments such as the line of desecrated graves at the southern boundary of the cemetery sickened and horrified everybody by the appearance they presented. Around their edges were piled broken coffins and tattered shrouds, fragments of clothing that had been torn from the dead bodies. All were trampled into the ground by the footsteps of the grave diggers like rejected junk. I mean, that would be pretty fucking horrifying. Yeah. Walking along and just seeing bits and pieces of 
Right. And, like, knowing now where Cheeseman Park is, it's in the center of Denver. So, yeah. like, this cemetery at the time was in the center of town. You can't go anywhere without seeing body parts and bones and, like, coffins and shit just laying around because this dude decided he wanted to fuck around and everyone else had to find out. Yeah. Doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, people do a lot of shit when they're greedy and there's lots of money on the line. Um, so what the city decided to do at that point was they relocated the rest of the headstones along with the graves that were already uncovered, but instead of hiring another undertaker to finish the job, they instead had the health commissioner come out who decided that it was too big of a health risk for them to try and relocate the rest of the bodies, so they just sealed the cemetery off with the remaining bodies still intact and worked on building a park on the land on top on top of the remaining at the time 4,000 bodies yes and I'm assuming that doesn't count the possible amount of bodies that the Native Americans left yeah no there was like hundreds like a hundred thousand different bodies because so this cemetery at the time and you know, because of the time period, was split into different sections. So you had the areas of the cemetery where the Jewish were buried. You had the areas of the cemetery where the Catholics were buried and where the Chinese were buried. Like, they split you off depending on race and belief. And so it was vastly spread to support all of these different, like, types of people. And, yeah, there was roughly about 100,000 people that were buried in there estimated because like you said they don't know how many Arapaho like natives were buried prior prior to, to the white man inheriting quote unquote the <laughs> land <laughs> quote unquote inheriting the land cough cough <laughs> genocide okay well the rest <laughs> love it genocide genocide <laughs> So, the work on the park just just moved slowly and remained unfinished from that point on until about the early 1900s when the Denver mayor at the time, Robert W. Speer, pushed for a city beautification movement that was funded by the city's wealthy elite. He asked for, like, crowdfunding pretty Mm -hmm. much to make the city a nicer-looking place. And a widow and her children of a rich businessman, Walter Cheeseman, stepped forward and donated $100,000 to build a pavilion on the park, and that's where the park got his name, like, its namesake was after the pavilion was built that honors a rich white man from the 1900s. So Walter was the stinky cheese man. Yes, Walter is 100% the stinky cheese man, but he has, like, no part in this story. For, like, a park that has so much shit happen around it, like, he's he was dead when the park was made. His family donated the money in his name. Like, he wasn't even a, a part of this. So the Stinky Cheese Man is not a part of the story, no, ladies and gentlemen. Not at all. And all those folks in between. It is just a name. Yes. How unfortunate. It has nothing to do with cheese. Mm-hmm. Everything to do with, like, murder of multiple generations of people. And the rich, wealthy elite shoving them to the side for a beautiful park named after my dead husband. The Stinky Cheese Man. Exactly. 
Well, uh, today only a portion of the park rests on the cemetery land still. A lot of the land was sectioned off for residential areas, the Congress Park that did get built, and the Botanical Gardens down in Denver. So all of those are built on ancient Indian burial grounds. I would hate to work there late at night. Oh, yeah, so did a lot of these people. Oh, I bet. Because <laughs> it's said that there's still roughly around 2,000 bodies under mm-hmm. the park today, with surfacing skeletons being reported as late as 2010. Yeah, I heard the little bit that I know about this before our mm-hmm. episode was that anytime they did any renovations in that area, it was just bones. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, In 2008, a worker crew was doing work on the botanical gardens and found two rows of caskets. And then two years later, they were doing irrigation work near Cheeseman Park, and the irrigation workers unearthed four intact skeletons. Preserved intact skeletons. (laughs) Gotta love that minerally soil. Oh, yeah. Uh, but there are, like, a couple of good reasons why the city of Denver at the time might have decided against relocating the bodies. Um, well, the first reason, which, you know, I think is probably the only reason they needed to hear, was that it was time-consuming and expensive. Cost a lot of money, cost a lot of time, and they just didn't want to. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, aside from that, Escov excavating all of these bodies that potentially died of disease is probably not a really good idea. That was the second reason. Yes. One of the uh, professors at Metro State University in Denver actually did some work on the, like, bodies that were found and found that a lot of them were actually smallpox victims Mm. and smallpox continues to be highly contagious even after death yeah and so they decided instead of risking the spread of smallpox to just leave the bodies as is and we'll deal with them when they pop up like dandelions like daisies (laughs) (laughs) um so Along with the bodies and caskets being found, there have also been, like, otherworldly experiences that have been reported at Cheeseman Park. Um, so early grave robbers, when the park was being built and the cemetery was still being relocated, would report being touched and grabbed around the ankles by unseen hands. They would be, like, tripped while walking through the graveyard from things that they could feel but that they couldn't see. Yeah, no thanks. Like, we hung out in enough fucking cemeteries, but I tell you what, if one time that we were at the fucking cemetery, one time, if I felt anything that I couldn't see grab my ankle, I would peace the fuck out and never go back. All aboard the nope train to fuck that, Bill. Literally, though. (laughs) Yeah, no thanks, no thanks. Um, and then, besides that, there have also been numerous stories of ghostly encounters in the neighborhoods like the residential areas that are also built on top of this cemetery slash burial ground. Uh, The Changeling, the horror movie, was actually based on events that happened at one of the mansions near Cheeseman Park. No way. Yeah. So... No thanks. Mm -hmm. No thanks, bro. (laughs) I'm good. I, like, don't fuck around with creepy kids. Like, that's... There's a couple things I don't fuck around with, and it's, like, creepy kids is literally, like, near the top of my list. Yeah, mine is, like, Ouija boards and creepy kids and dolls. Porcelain dolls, creepy-ass motherfucking kids. Like, 
I see little ghost child, I am, like, punting that bitch across my house. I do not care. No one tries to punch the ghost. I'm gonna punch the ghost. Like, they deserve it. Wish me luck. <laughs> I, I do wish you luck. I mean, I feel mildly sympathetic towards the ghost child because that sucks. I mean, it sucks that they were a child, but do, they don't need to fuck with me. Yeah, they agreed. can fuck with so many other people. I will kick them into a, the neighbor's house, and they can go harass the Fair neighbors enough. and giggle in the middle of the night. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I will, thank how you. How about we treat ghost children with the same way that we treat insects and spiders? You're fine. Just don't be in my bubble. Right, you don't pay bubble. rent. If you want to stay here, yeah. pay fucking rent. Pay, help pay utilities, but you're not just going to, like, turn on the shower and steam up the mirror to write a creepy message and run up my water bill. Like, no. That no, is no, not no. how this is working. If you're going to be here, you're going to pay rent, you're going to get a damn job. Otherwise, leave. Yeah. Child labor, I don't care. It doesn't count if you're a ghost. Go fucking work, pay your ghost bills, or leave me alone. I mean, at that point, you're probably a hundred some years old anyway, right. so get a fucking job. Right, you're a spirit. Labor laws don't fucking count for you. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> um, also, in the neighborhood, residents also reported seeing distraught apparitions, hearing knocking on their walls, and some have even reported seeing a woman holding her own severed head sitting at their dining room table. Well, yeah, they chopped up these bodies. Like, I'm surprised she even found her fucking head. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised they're not you know, being a little bit more ruthless. I Honestly. Would, I would be pretty fucking distraught, too, if someone chopped up my body and scattered it to God knows where. Yeah, no, I would do more than knock on your fucking walls if you chopped me to bits. Yeah. 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 Um, children, our favorite, have also been heard and seen playing in the park well after dark only to vanish in the night once the sun sets. Uh, a singing woman could be heard and seen at night wandering through the park. And it's said that on moonlit nights, if you stand on the west steps of the pavilion, the grave-filled cemetery from the 19th century will appear before you. I have an idea for a uh, field trip. Absolutely, fucking fruitly. We will make that shit happen. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the fucked up shit that happened in Cheeseman Park. And now it's like one of the biggest tourist attractions in Denver. But not because it's haunted. Because it's a beautiful park. And has botanical gardens. And like they really did a lot to kind of try and bury the history surrounding the park. But. I mean, I would too, I guess. But like. Damn. Yeah. Damn. I mean, not everybody is weird like us, so... But then, like I said, after this happened, nothing happened to fucking E.P. McGovern. I looked. I researched so hard. I'm like, what happened to him after this? Something must have happened. No. He was just taken off the project, and he lived to the ripe age of 75, where he died in 1928. So he was a mortuary owner? Yeah, he owned... <laughs> he owned his own morgue and um, was a coroner, self-proclaimed coroner, and his son became his mortuary assistant, and he ended up... He was also, like, a founder of, I think it was the Colorado Funeral Association. Like, he was one of the founders of, like, proper burial and cremation of corpses and the proper care of corpses. Like, he was... 
one of the founders of the funeral association in the state and then desecrated thousands of bodies for a quick buck. Who looked at that and been like, yeah, that's our guy. Oh, you want to know the funniest fucking thing about this? Absolutely. So, the citizens of Denver were so excited when E.P. McGovern got hired to, like, exhume this cemetery, because it was going to, you know, make the city nicer, that they voted him as, like, chancellor in their parade like their (laughs) celebration he was like their chancellor with the crown and like the whole shebang they were so stoked that he was going to be helping them out and then three days it took him to fuck shit up and leave so did this parade happen before or after they found out what the fuck before he got hired they threw him a parade and this is how he repays them I mean, some people are just fucked up, and, like, that's the way that they are, and... Right, it just makes me wonder how he was running his mortuary practice. Um. If he was a coroner, like, how was he running his practice if he was just so quick and easy to be like, yeah, just just, dismember these bodies? I mean... Human jigsaw puzzle. Probably the same way H.H. Holmes became a pharmacist. I'm just saying. Yeah. Probably about the same way. (sighs) There's just, like, you'd think there would be more signs that he would do something fucked up, but no, he was, like, a very well-renowned businessman in, like, the city. Everybody, like, knew him and trusted him, and that was, yeah, where they fucked up. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is a trend that we are going to see quite often, especially in the 1800s, it seems. Yeah, white men doing fuck shit and getting off the hook for it. And being voted into positions of power! And, like, being, yeah, revered for... For what, exactly? No one knows, but that is the way that things For doing the bare minimum? Someone, well, someone I, should throw me a parade. I, I don't know, because the gentleman we're going to talk about next week went above and beyond the call of duty, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, he really did something special. And we will be into that next week. Thank you for tuning in. Listen exclusively on Spotify. Woo! Bye!